long as to come here and uh, to meet together and worship you, God. And I just I pray that we experience the worship that we experience here, God. And, um, and that we give you the same kind of worship in our daily lives, God. Um, God, I just pray right now for um, Ted and his family, God. I just um, I thank you for the boldness you've given Ted to um, share the gospel with his family, God. And, um, I just pray that um, that the gospel will start taking effect in their lives, God. And, um, God, I just pray that um, you'll allow Ted to see the effects that the gospel has on their lives, God. And, um, I just, I also pray for the pastor search committee, God. Um, God, just guide them in, in every step of the way, God, um, as they search for the, the shepherds of um, our church, God. God, I just, um, I lift up the students that will be going up going to straight up weekend this weekend, God. Um, I just pray that you'll begin to work in their hearts now, God. And um, God, I just pray that um, the change that happens in their lives this weekend um, will just take effect um, in a permanent way, God, that um, they'll just walk away changed and um, unable to live the same lives they've been living, God. And I pray the same thing for the adults that will be there, God, that um, that you'll show them new things, God, and that um, that we'll go with the willingness to grow and to learn more about you, God. And, um, God, I just pray tonight that um, you'll give Matt the words to speak, God, and that you'll um, you'll speak into each and every one of our lives, God, and that um, that we'll walk out of here changed, God. That um, and that every time we encounter your word, God, that um, that will be changed, God. Um, I just pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Welcome, welcome. If you've got your Bibles, go to the book of Exodus. Once you find Exodus, make your way to Ephesians, holding your place in Exodus, because we're going to hang out there tonight. It's good to be back uh, here with you guys. Um, and uh, miss, miss kind of being here in January. Uh, I want to say thanks for a couple things. I'll say my thank yous. Thanks for praying for my dad, uh, who's uh, sick in Birmingham. Those of you who've been praying for him. He's a little bit better. You can continue to pray. Uh, he had, he's been on a ventilator for uh, about a month now. And they did a tracheotomy on him to help him get off the ventilator, which will be a temporary thing. So just continue to pray for him. And for my mom, who's going back and forth from Chattanooga to Birmingham, trying to keep those two worlds going and juggling that so and then also thanks for praying while we were in China God did some really cool things um, and if you are interested in going to China this summer there's a meeting Tuesday night um, next Tuesday night you can come and see me and I'll give you the details so um, let's do this I know Ricky just prayed but I kind of like to pray before I teach and uh, let's pray real quick that God's word will kind of get into us tonight and then we'll we'll get going let's pray Father thank you for your word and I thank you for what your word is going to teach us tonight. And God, how, how so many years ago when you gave your people this law, these Ten Commandments, God, it's still so relevant to us today. But yet, Jesus, your spirit is in us if we're believers, so we don't have to live by the law in some checklist. Your spirit gives us the strength to do what it is you want us to do. So God, I pray that tonight as we begin to talk about relationships, that you would allow us to see how important those are in our lives and how important they are for bringing you glory with our lives. 
And Lord, we love you and pray this all in your name. Amen. So, um, we're starting this new series called Relate. And um, here's the thing. Like, I've been thinking about this as I've kind of been thinking about this series, knowing we're going to get here. Um, the reality is, is that everybody in this room um, is... is involved in a relationship with somebody. But like relationships are an inescapable part of our lives. Even the person who's like a total hermit, who's like a home person, who doesn't like to hang out with people, um, that's not a people person, that would much rather stay home on Saturday night, that doesn't like to get around people a lot, even those type of people, which my wife is one of those and I'm not, so that makes it interesting, even those type of people are in relationships. So if you were born and then you immediately went and moved to an island and never saw anybody, you would still be in a relationship. And that's the relationship we're going to talk about tonight. You will be in a relationship with your parents. Now, what's really cool, um, maybe not so cool, depends on who you are, is that our relationship with our parents is the only relationship that we have that we do not choose for ourselves. Now, you can get into a big theological discussion. Do I choose who my spouse is going to be? Do I choose my friends? We can get into a really deep theological discussion about that. We're not going to tonight. But your parents are the only people you do not choose to be in relationship with. You are... You were handed that relationship when you're born. Like I remember when um, my daughter Ava was born, and I feel like I can talk with some authority about being a parent because I am one now. But let me just kind of say this from the get go: as we spend the next five weeks talking about relationships, uh, I am not an expert at relationships. My wife would confirm that quickly. Okay, I am not Dr. Phil. <laughs> I am not uh, who's the guy who came a few weeks ago, Gary Chapman. I'm not him. Uh, so we're going to spend a lot of time looking at the Bible because I want to. I want us to see what the Bible has to say about these relationships. So we're going to talk about parents this week. Next week we're going to talk about friends. And then we're going to spend like three weeks talking about love, dating, marriage, sex. All of that. Okay? Yes, I said sex. So we're going to talk about all that stuff. So if you're like, dude, we're talking about parents. I came to hear about girlfriends and boyfriends and marriage. Uh, We're going to get there. But all of these relationships are intricately woven. So the way in which you relate to your parents affects the way you will relate to your spouse someday. The way in which you relate to your friends affects the way you relate to your spouse someday. All of these things are related. So we can't brush over our parents and brush over our relationships with our friends just to get to the cool stuff, right? So we're going to start with our parents tonight. And I remember when my daughter Ava was born... Um, it was kind of crazy because uh, we thought we kind of had all this time. My wife was pregnant, and we um, these days now you can like set a date, you know, like hey, we're going to induce labor. So we had this date where she was going to be induced. We knew Ava would be here. Uh, my wife's mom was flying in. We lived in Tennessee at that time. She was flying in uh, on that Sunday, and we were going to like hang out with her, go to the mall shopping. Now Rachel was like humongo big, right? Like I had to like hold her belly for her. It was so big. Uh, not really. Don't tell her. I said that. Uh, I'm in trouble. Um, but basically, we had this whole day planned. And my wife wakes up at 5:30 in the morning that Sunday morning and says, uh, it, "It's time." I was like, "Out of it." I'm like, "It's time for what?" She's like, "Ava is coming." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So like, we hopped up, and she's like, "I gotta get in the shower." I'm like, you, "You're, uh, we're having a baby." She's like, "I want to look good." <laughs> so she took a shower, and I'm like packing everything up, and we drive to the hospital. And at 2:30 that day, uh, Ava was born. And someday you'll understand this, but it is the grossest and yet the most beautiful thing you will ever see when your child is born. 
And, and she came out of there and she came out quickly because actually the umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck and so her heart rate kept dropping and it went really low at one point and the doctor said she just was like okay we're going in and I was like what's that mean and then she was like baby out done and Rachel's like oh. so that was traumatic and I just remember like Ava was a bloody mess and they cleaned her up and, and I was the first one to hold her and Rachel's really mad about that to this day because she's like I did all that work and you get to hold her first but I, I was sitting there holding her and this great sense of responsibility hit me like man My job, given by God, is to have authority over this child, to protect this child, to raise this child. And this great burden hit me. And if you can understand that, and you will someday, but that is exactly what your parents carry. And we're going to talk about authority tonight and why that's important. But this relationship with your parents is integral. And, and as we kind of get started talking about relationships and parents, I, I, want, I want to throw out a couple things here, why relationships are so important. They, they reveal something about us. So if you're taking notes, write this down. It should be up there. Relationships reveal a couple things. Relationships with our, our parents, our spouse someday, our girlfriends, our boyfriends, our friends. Relationships reveal two things. Here's the first thing. Relationships reveal... They have the opportunity, at least, to reveal the glory of God in your life. You say, okay, what do you mean by that? Relationships have the possibility, the opportunity to reveal the glory of God. Basically saying this, your relationships and the way in which you relate to your mom and dad, the way in which you relate to your friends, the way in which you relate to the person you're dating, the way in which you relate has the opportunity to be an act of worship, literally a worship service. You may have never thought about it like that. But all of life is a worship service. Paul says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it unto the glory of God. And so the way in which I talk to my parents is an act of worship. The question is, is it a good act of worship? The way in which I am in a dating relationship, the level to which my dating relationship is pure and holy before God is an act of worship to God. So you got to see this, man. This is so important. Why would we spend five weeks talking about relationships? Because it is one of the biggest ways that people see the glory of God in your life by the way in which you interact with other people. Because you were wired for relationship. And you're wired for relationship because you're made in the image of God. Genesis 1 says this, You are made in the image of God. He made man and He made woman in His image. So that's inescapable. You are made in the image of God whether you like it or not. And part of being made in the image of God is that you are wired to be in relationship. If you moved away and tried to get away from everybody, there would still be this sense of longing for relationship in your life. Because you're made in God's image. You say, well, why? Because if you're made in God's image, then there's something about God that's relational. Now, we're going to stretch our minds for a second. But the Trinity, God Himself, is in relationship with Himself. The Trinity, there is this constant sense of love and relationship going on in the Trinity. Why is the Trinity three in one? Well, I think part of it is to show us the community that God wants us to have in our relationships. Namely, someday when we get married, we'll talk about that in a few weeks. But between the Holy Spirit, between the Father, and between the Son, there is this intense community going on. This intense relationship, these three in one. And you are made in the image of God, so you are wired to be in relationship. Just like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in relationship with one another. Why do you think it hurt Jesus so bad when He was on the cross and He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because for the first time in the history of everything, He wasn't in relationship directly with His Father. 
So you're wired for relationship because you're made in God's image. It's inescapable. And it is meant to reveal the glory of God. So, secondly, relationship reveals something else. It doesn't just reveal the glory of God, but it reveals something about you and your relationship with God. We're going to see this as we go on for a few weeks. But relationship reveals, basically, um, how I'm relating to God. And we'll talk about this more, but the way in which I relate to people horizontally reveals a whole lot about how I relate to God vertically. If I don't love people, if I don't love my parents, if I have a relationship with my boyfriend or girlfriend that's impure, if I'm relating horizontally with people in a way that is not glorifying to God, then there's a reality vertically that I'm not in obedience to God, that I don't relate to Him well. If there's a lot of anger in my life towards somebody, a friend, a parent, a brother, a sister then there's probably a lot of bitterness in my heart, and so I'm not relating well vertically. Because the way in which I relate vertically to God will dictate the way in which I relate horizontally to people. Make sense? You tracking? So, relationships reveal the glory of God, or they can reveal the glory of God in our life. But secondly, relationships reveal a whole lot about our relationship vertically with God. So this is huge. This is hugely important. So the next five weeks, be here. <laughs> Tell people to come. Not because I'm speaking or not because anybody else is leading worship, but because we're going to be talking about this. And these two things make it that important. Because you have the opportunity to reveal the glory of God in a huge way. And you have the opportunity to kind of begin to understand, man, maybe this whole deal about me not being in the right relationship with God is revealed through how I'm in relationship with people. So, let's go to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And uh, we're going to look at something here. It's in the Ten Commandments. You probably know what I'm going to read. But look at verse 12. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And let me kind of set the stage here. Basically what's going on is the Israelites, as you may know, have left Egypt. They've come into basically the wilderness. And uh, Moses has like this huge meeting with God. And God gives him these Ten Commandments and says, here's these commandments and you're supposed to live by these and that's going to make your time in the land really good. So these commandments are kind of broken down, just like I just talked about, vertically and horizontally. Some of them are simply, here's how you can relate to God. And then the other commandments are, here's how you can relate to one another. And if these things are working right, then everything's going to be good with the children of Israel. But what happens is we begin to not follow these and then we understand we need Jesus and we need grace, right? But here's what he says in verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, and this is interesting, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is going to give you. So he says, honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord is going to give you. Now, there's a couple of misconceptions about this. We're going to tear these apart, and then we're going to look at what it means to honor your mother and your father. And I think I may have gone out of order and really messed him up. But if you'll go back, there's some... Or maybe after that. I don't know. I'll let him figure it out. But there's some misconceptions about this. Okay, Two big ones. One of them I put up there. The second one I thought about when I was driving here, so it's not up there. I do that sometimes. The first misconception is this. When it comes to honoring my parents, I've heard people say this before. The misconception is, my parents are really not good parents. And that, that may be the situation for some of you in this room. As I kind of thought about this, it was really hard to th- say, man, how am I going to direct this message tonight? Because somebody could be sitting in this corner and your relationship with your parents is horrible. And it's not your fault. It's their fault. They're just bad parents. 
That happens. And somebody could be sitting in this corner going, man, I love my parents. Man, if it's between my parents and hanging out with my friends on a Friday night, I'm hanging out with my parents. That's my wife. She loves her parents. So there's this gamut, right, of people and their relationship with their parents. But I've heard people say before, my mom and dad are horrible. My mom walked out on me. My dad left us. My parents have no, no just involvement in my life. And so therefore, I don't have to honor them. Here's misconception number one. There is no exclusion statement, basically, in this commandment. There's no exception clause, so to speak. Nowhere in here does it say, honor your father and mother unless... And this is going to come hard for some of you. And I'm going to talk about how this happens a little bit later. But honor your father and your mother. Period. End of story. Now that's, that's hard for some of us. For some of us it's really easy because our parents have been good parents. So it makes it really easy for us to honor them because they're honorable. But some of our parents are not honorable. Some of your parents may have abused you. They may have, they may have verbally or physically abused you. They may have left you. You may not know some of your parents. And so for you to want to honor your parent, that's not rising up in you, right? But here's the deal. We have to understand this. There's no exception clause in this fifth commandment. He says, honor your father and your mother. Now we'll talk about how you do that if you're in that situation in a sec. Number two, the second misconception that won't be up there, is there is no expiration date on this commandment. Nowhere does it say, honor your father and mother until you're 18. And then when you're living on campus at college, and then when you've got your own car, and then when you're making a little bit of your own money, but mom and dad are still paying the cell phone bill or the dorm bill, then you don't really have to honor them as much. When, when Moses brought those Ten Commandments out, and he was standing on the mountain, and he said, here you go. And when God gave that to the children of Israel, it was not a commandment with an expiration date. In fact, what he was saying was, honor your father and your mother until the day you die. Not till the day they die. Until the day you die. You honor them with your life. You honor them. There was no expiration date and there was no exception clause. Because back then, the parents of the Israelites were not providing food for their children. God was. Manna every day. So they weren't trying to provide for their children. They had clothes that they were basically provided for by God. Everything was provided for by God. So the question was not, do my parents provide for me and are they good parents? The question was simply, you have to honor your parents. End of story. So these misconceptions, that there's this exception clause, my parents are bad, I can dishonor them, or someday, when I get to this point to where I'm a certain age, this commandment doesn't really fit me anymore. You will honor your parents, at least God wants you to honor your parents, till the day you die. Now couple things and we'll move on. Go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. So so that we don't think this is like an Old Testament thing, um, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about this again, starting in verse 1. Now Paul in Ephesians, he sets up this big doctrinal statement. Basically he says, Christ is in you and you are in Christ and you're supposed to live a certain way. And that's kind of how Paul used to do things. He would set up this big doctrinal statement and then he would say, so this is how you're supposed to live. And one of the first things Paul says is this. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, 
This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So Paul grabs this from the Old Testament and says, If Christ is in you, how much more, how much more should you, with Christ living in you, want to honor your parents and desire to do that? Now, I know this is difficult for some of us and it's easy for some of us, but we're going to spend a sec here talking about what it looks like to honor our parents. And then hopefully maybe we can walk away tonight and begin doing that a little bit more. I know I need to. The first thing is this. If if you're thinking about honoring your parents, these are some things that I begin to think through myself and say, what does it mean to honor our parents at this stage of life in college? What does it mean to honor our parents? The first thing is this. You can throw it up there. I think when we talk about honoring our parents, here's the first thing it means. To respect but not just respect, respond to the authority that God has given your parents. See, here's the deal, and we'll continue to talk about this, especially when we get to the marriage week. But God has set up this authority. God is the ultimate authority, and in a marriage relationship, He set up the man, guys, you will someday be the authority over your wife. The wife is supposed to submit to the the husband. Some of you guys are like, yeah. And the husband is supposed to love the wife as Christ loved the church, sacrificing himself for her. Then under that authority, that umbrella of authority, you have children. God's given us Ava. So we have authority over Ava. We have authority over our child. Your parents, whether they're good parents or bad parents, have God-given authority over you. Now you may not like that. That may kind of come at you weird. Because we have this weird kind of idea about authority. That authority is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing. Actually, Erin was talking about this, I don't know when, a couple couple weeks ago. But basically she was saying, until the day that I get married, I am under the authority of my father. I thought, man, for Erin to be 20-something and realize that, that's huge. God has given this authority to your parents, and the authority is to protect you. God's given us authority over Ava, and that authority is not for me to rule over her and beat her down, but the authority is so that I would protect her. And here's the kind of principle I think that we see in Scripture and I think we see practically. But as the responsibility is taken off of them and you take more responsibility for your life, and here's what I'm talking about practically, like paying your bills and you kind of live on your own and you're kind of your own person in that sense. As that responsibility comes off them and more comes on you, then less and less authority begins to come from them. Here's what I mean. My mom... And dad, do not have the same authority over me that they had over me when I was 15. They don't have the same authority that they had over me when I was 20 and I was still in college. Because when I was in college, the tendency was, because I was 18 or 19 hours away in Houston, was to say, Mom and Dad, you don't have any authority over me whatsoever. Because they weren't there telling me when to go to bed or what time to be here or whatever. I did what I wanted to. I got home when I wanted to. I made my own plans. But they still had authority over me. Why? Because they still had responsibility for me. They paid for my dorm, they paid for my car, they paid for my insurance, they gave me food money. I was working, and all that money pretty much went into my savings account. I'm very grateful for that. But for you to stand up to your parents and say, you, you don't have any authority over me. Now, you've probably heard this before. And your parents would say, uh, well, we're paying for this and this and this and this. They're right. Because they're bearing responsibility for you they have more authority. 
Now, your parents are all gonna, always going to have this sense of authority, but the authority level changes. So how do I honor my mom and dad? I respect their authority because it's given by God to protect me. And I respond to their authority, meaning this. I obey what they say. I obey them. And that's difficult when we get this age. Because we're transitioning from being a kid to being an adult. And we think to obey means to be like put down. But man, if I look back on my parents and the things that they told me and while I was in college, the things that I didn't obey, I look back now and go, man, I was an idiot. Because I thought I knew a lot of stuff when I was like 20 and 21. And I look back now and I'm like, I didn't know anything. And I still don't know a whole lot. And I'm 29. But I'm realizing that God put my parents in my life to be that authority and that protection. So you respect and you respond to their authority because God's put it there. Secondly, how do you honor your parents? Second thing, you accept them and you appreciate them in tangible ways. Now, accepting and appreciating are kind of two different things. I accept them, meaning I want them to be a part of my life. Which again, this may be hard for some of you. But I, I appreciate that they are presence in my life. And for some of us, that's a stretch because our parents may not want to be a part of our life. And so for you to go, I accept you, Mom and Dad, even though you haven't accepted me, that's really difficult. Or I appreciate you, Mom and Dad, even though you really haven't appreciated me, that's really difficult. We're going to get there in a sec, what you do. But to accept and appreciate in tangible ways. Even now... Um, as a 29-year-old, God's really been stretching me on this in a couple ways. Um, as you guys know, my dad was really, really sick and um, went to the hospital when I was in China. And um, I didn't know if I was going to have to come home. I didn't know how serious it was. And when I got home, my mom said, um, you don't need to come up here because I, we think he's stable. And we know you've been traveling and you got a lot more to do. You just stay home and rest. And and I had a decision to make. I knew that my mom wanted the best for me, but I also knew my mom would be, would be thrilled by the fact if I drug my whole family up to Birmingham for a week and hung out with her because she's been going back and forth. And so we had to make a decision. And the decision was, am I going to appreciate my mom and thinking back on everything that she's done for me, a week in Birmingham is a little bit. But man, what did that communicate to her? That I would drag my family, get in the car, drive for like 10 hours to get to Birmingham, spend a week out of my time, and just be with her. Just be with her. In the tangible way that said, Mom, I appreciate you. <laughs> I don't know what it looks like for you to like tangibly accept and appreciate your parents. It could be a phone call. It could be a note. It could be mom and dad. I want to. I want to watch little brother and sister so you guys can go out. I want to. I want to buy you a gift card so you guys can go out. A tangible thing, man. My challenge, to you guys, is is this week go accept and appreciate your parents in a tangible way, a way that they can touch and feel, and they know, man, my kids appreciate what I've done. Here's the here's the third thing. How to honor your parents. Accept and appreciate them. But lastly, as you're thinking about your parents and honoring them, be committed to caring for them as the years go on. This is something that's starting to hit me because my dad's in the hospital and uh, he's got a ventilator in his throat and he's been trached. And I'm sitting here going, you know what? I'm starting to see this side of, the, of my life where I'm going to have to begin to care for my parents. And at any point I could have to go and help my mom out if something happened to my dad. You've got to be committed to caring for your parents. One of the things that's 
integral to this passage in Ephesians and in Exodus was this idea that honoring your parents was a lifelong thing. I said earlier, there was no expiration date. There's no expiration date on honoring your parents. So basically in this culture what would happen is as uh, there was really no retirement plan. <laughs> the kids were the retirement plan. I kind of like that. Um, but as the adults got older then the ki- and the kids got older and they could take care of mom and dad, then they would take them in. And basically you had families living together. And so to take care of your parents, whether it be mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, was a way of honoring them. So there's going to come a day where your parents may be in a situation where no longer are they giving you care, but you've got to give them care. And, and remember this tonight, that day, when that day comes. For you to go out of your way, whether it means inconvenient, inconveniencing yourself so they move in with you, or going long distances to get to where they are, that is honoring them. Being committed to caring for them as the years go on. Because there's no expiration date on this thing. So... The last thing is this, and we're, we're done. Honoring my parents is I'm going to respect and respond to their authority. I, I'm going to appreciate them. I'm going to accept them, let them be a part of my life, even if they don't really want to be. I, I'm going to care for them as the years go on, and they get a little older, and we get a little older, and the, the roles switch. But, but for some of us in this room who your parents have just been out to lunch, you may not know some of your parents. You may not know them well. There may be abuse. There may be verbal abuse or physical abuse. Here's how you begin to honor them. Because I know this is difficult. I am not in that situation because my parents were great. They supported me in everything that I ever did. But if we are supposed to honor our parents, no questions asked, then the question comes to a lot of people's minds. If my parents absolutely just are not in the mix, if they're not there for me, if they've never been there for me, then how do I begin to honor them if I've got all this bitterness stored up in my heart? I think the first step is, is to forgive them as the Lord forgave you. Okay. To pray and ask God to forgive them. Forgive to give you that heart of forgiveness. Go to Colossians. Go to the book of Colossians. You're just a little bit from it in Ephesians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13. says this. Bear with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. And this is the kicker. Forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Now I know this is, this is a big deal tonight. Because in this room, there's probably relationships with parents that aren't that great. And it may be because they're not doing their role as a parent. You don't maybe know them. And you've got bitterness in your heart, and that bitterness is a wall from you honoring them and doing what God's commanded us to do, no questions asked. I'm not saying this is easy, but what I am saying is this is a first step to understand, man, if Jesus forgave me of all of this stuff, if He went to the cross, if His life and His death were all about forgiving me and bringing Him glory, right? And He forgave me of so much. Make a laundry list of the things God's forgiven you for then how in the world can I hold any offense against anybody? Because Jesus has forgiven me. So in the moment where I go, I'm going to hold this against you, Mom and Dad, even the worst thing possible, I have no right. Colossians 3 says, Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. My friend Kelly uh, from college, one of my wife's good friends, she was a roommate with her for a while, her dad uh, basically left 
her family when she was about 13. And for a long time, he would come home uh, drunk, and they knew that he'd been having affairs with other women, and he knew that they knew, but he didn't care. And he would come home and beat them and verbally abuse them. And one day, he just packed his bags and left. Left his mom, her mom, who was disabled and could not work, with nothing. And they struggled for years. And, and I sat in a Taco Bell with her. It was her, my wife, me, sitting there. And she just bawled. It's a little awkward because we're in Taco Bell. But she just bawled. Because we were talking about our parents... And Rachel was talking about the relationship she had with her parents, and she bawled and said, I will never be able to have that kind of relationship with my dad. She said, and I will never forgive my dad. A couple years later, we were all hanging out, and, and she just said to us one night, and it was kind of out of the blue, but I think she kind of knew that we knew where she was. She just said, I want you guys to know that I've come to a place in my life um, where I'm not okay with the things that my dad did. It's not right, and I understand that, but I've forgiven him. I've forgiven him. See, forgiveness, whether it's your parents or a friend, does not mean that you agree with what they did or that it makes it okay. Forgiveness means I relinquish you of all of the bitterness that I'm aiming at you. It's relinquished. See, when Jesus forgave us, He did not say what you did was okay. And He didn't sweep it under the carpet. He took away the guilt. And for you to forgive your parents, that first step in honoring them with your life isn't saying what they did was okay, that they left was okay, that the abuse was okay, any of that. What it is saying is, Mom, Dad, I want to begin to honor you. And the only way I can do that is by forgiving you. And that forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice. If you wait to feel like you want to forgive someone, it won't happen. Because you're never going to feel like forgiveness. Forgiveness is a choice. Let's pray. Father, I don't know where everyone is in this room in their relationship with their parents, but what I do know is that your word's really explicit. That we are to honor our father and our mother for all the days of our life. So God, whatever spectrum we're on, whether we have a great relationship with our parents or we have a horrible relationship with our parents, God, I pray that you would begin to show us how we can respond to their authority, God, how we can appreciate them, how we can care for them. And God, I pray for that student who's in here tonight that, that has forgiveness issues with their parents doesn't really matter who's in the wrong. Their parents could be in the wrong. They could be in the wrong. They're probably both in the wrong. But Lord, I pray that you would give them the ability to forgive, to start the process of honoring their parents. That tonight, maybe one of these students would just go home and call their mom and dad and say, thanks for, for loving me and supporting me if they've had awesome parents. That others maybe would just pick up the phone at some point this week and call mom and dad and say, I'm sorry, or would you forgive me, or I forgive you. I want to start honoring you with my life. God, help us to see how our relationship with our parents has the ability to bring great glory to you. God, we love you. Thank you that you ultimately are the Father. 
to the fatherless. And we praise You for that tonight. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to worship a little bit more, so I just want to invite you to stand up. And if you need to pray with somebody, um, I'll be around, be in the back. Um, We've got some other leadership here. Uh, But even during worship, if you need to um, kind of do any business with God, feel free to do that in whatever way you need to.